Welcome to a very special episode of the SWW Show. I'm Mike, and here I have with me a special guest um, named Michael, who helped work on the game Id Ego. I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly, and I'm sure he'll correct me. Uh, so first I want to say, Michael, welcome to the show, and thanks for talking to me today. No problem. So maybe to start it out then, can you tell me maybe a little bit about your background and what you do? So uh, my background is I've never worked on games for my entire life until 2016 when me and two friends, actually three friends, decided to start making a game. So uh, we needed to figure out how to make a game uh, what is an engine? How does it work? How do you model things? How do you manage a project like that? <laughs> so there was a lot to do from the from the. Wow. Okay. So, what is maybe your background then by trade? If like, because obviously you had some skills to work on this game or something. So, what is your background then by trade? Well, by trade, and I would say music and sound design, uh, it's always interested me. I've always been uh, into music, making my own songs. Okay. So then for uh, the game, then, you're, you really worked on, my understanding was sound design and then all the audio effects for the game? And VFX as well. Okay. So maybe let's just start then there. Where did you like really get your inspiration for like some, the sounds of this? Like, did you have like references you started with and like your process in that way? Um, I'd say my greatest inspirations uh, would always come from Half Life. Okay. Ooh, ooh. And to create uh, the weapon sounds and stuff, uh, those are things I didn't do on my own. Um, we had help from uh, different packs where we remade the sound files, tweaked some, um, and, and that's how we got actually a lot of the sounds in the game to, to work as we wanted them to. So, and this is from my experience, I always know, um, with like dealing with a lot of special people who specialize in audio, it's different like making for games in like the way either the audio is mixed or like having build has to like come in and out in a more dynamic fashion. Did you hit any of those weird hiccups that you weren't used to? Oh, yes. A lot of the times. Um, so, and also, maybe help me out. Did you yourself install the audio into the engine, or was that like, did you hand, that, did you hand the audio to someone else? It's, it's mixed. Okay. Some of the work I did on it, some, uh, some of the work uh, the lead designer, the lead developer did. So... <laughs> How 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 was that fun learning curve for you of like learning how to like install something in an engine and getting it sound right versus in its like nice pristine environment of creating the sound? Oh, that's a hard one. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, if you start by imagining uh, the world you're creating and how how you want it to actually sound, you you have this vague understanding of okay, I want this sound and it's gonna it's gonna come out when you do that or when you do this. 
but then when you implement it, it's so different. Uh, for example, when it comes to animations, such as reload animations, you want to time the sounds, you want to time the animation to the sounds. It's very different and it can be challenging. So with with all of that then, did you, so this was obviously a specialty, did you have any influence per se on like other aspects of the game or did you kind of, because I assume you guys aren't that big of a team, or did you very much stay in like your very, not small lane, but your very thing of like, here's what I'm working on? No, I mean, we're three guys working on it and uh, we all touched every aspect to some degree. I, for one, did not do any 3D modeling for the game. Which that, I, that was left to the other two guys. Which so I, they, they modeled the whole thing. <laughs> which I can't really blame you, because like, I'm not exactly an artist either. And I'm always like, artists, go make art. Because I always joke saying they could do ten times the quality in half the time that I would do it. <laughs> yeah, well, normally you have a concept artist. So uh, you give that concept artist... Uh, you, you give him some points like we, we want a world that looks sort of like this and, and then the artist draws something it gives it to the uh, lead 3d designer takes a look at it hands it over to the teams says we're gonna do this that this is what we're gonna scrap this is what we're gonna keep but in our case we didn't have that we had to figure out on our own how, how do we want things to look how do we want it to work and play out and from the very beginning, we had a much larger scope. We, we actually wanted to create a game that would be pretty much Half-Life 3. But it was way too ambitious to pull it off on, the, on just three guys. We would be working on it for a decade. <laughs> so yeah, maybe that's a, that's a good point then. So with the scale of three guys, what was like from your point of view then like the hard limitations you almost put on yourself of like because of the size of my scope i i this is where i'm going to cut off anything from either a production point of view or like from a time it takes that would mostly be um making a very distinct and unique level design for each level um and also the the sizes of the levels for uh, an example of this is uh, the first two levels we have are procedurally generated from a room system created where we have um, a number of rooms and each room has a number of variants and those variants can be generated into those maps. And then you have objective rooms and end rooms, start rooms. Uh, and then you have, uh, you have code telling how many rooms must be between the objective rooms and, and the end rooms. And then it generates a different variations of those numbers. And uh, the other levels are straightforward. They're not procedurally generated. And they're, they're unique and handcrafted in a different way. Uh, and the reason we had those two first levels generated like this is because it gives you more playability, replayability, I'd say. So then if, if that's your concern is replayability, why did you not extend maybe that system a little bit further and just make all levels like that? Because they all end up look pretty much the same, I'd say. Um, they wouldn't be as unique. Uh, we we couldn't have. Uh, I'd say actually the last level is the this level that has more uh, variation to it. And um, to generate that, you would tire the art too much. I think. 
So it's almost like the other limitation of you need more artists at that point to like make sure you had variation built into the system itself. Yeah, if if we would have had two completely different uh, art styles uh, in two two more levels, so to say, uh, and you could sort of mix those and and generate new levels out of that, that that could be something, I guess. Maybe you could even create a game mode where you just generate and generate and generate. But I, I don't think it would be a fun thing to do. It would just go on forever. Oh, okay. That's that's a very interesting. So I've always, I've always so like that's the Irish joke saying the age old problem with like procedural generation is people don't realize like on paper everyone's like oh it's just procedurally generated it makes it easier and everyone's like no no it's harder because there's this thing of like you only have so many things in the toolkit that get reused or even just making the system work correctly so stuff looks natural is always the hardest parts. Yeah, I think so as well, especially. Um in cases if you would like to make an open world like uh, a Minecraft or something like that. And that would be a, a completely different beast, of course. But uh, the art can get tired really fast. But even Minecraft, like what people like, and this is why people kind of like the idea of the biomes, like within each biome, which even though they're randomly generated spawned, they have rules they follow of like, if in, a, in like the planes or whatever, these five things can spawn in each of them in like 10 patterns. And like, but like, there's still certain limitations in there. They just have so many s bigger variations that people don't really notice those sub ones or care as much. Yeah, precisely. And, and obviously, you guys are a team of three people, so you have like a, an absurd amount of limitations put upon yourself already. Yeah. <laughs> and if you wanted to add more gameplay features, more functionalities of things that you could do, how you can affect the world, it's just, it's so much programming behind it, so much more uh, that we didn't realize uh, in the beginning. And I think a lot of people don't. So if you have one guy who's programming, that's not going to cut it. You, you need more people or, or it's going to take forever. And that guy is just going to drown in work. So jumping into more of the sub game itself. So one of the things that you guys kind of tout with your game is this idea of you calling it an old school shooter and it's basically like you go and have guns in the game, but like those are kind of its only, I wanted to say only unique features, but the only mechanically unique thing. Otherwise you really have your character from the beginning of the game. How did you come up with like that system to making sure it still feels like you naturally progress and get stronger, which is kind of what games do over time? Well, it's, it's your pro progression and build up uh, as you collect weapons through the games, I guess. Right. So one of the immediate things whenever I build a game along those lines, I always get concerned of like, does it feel enough of a build up? So I was curious if you guys kind of had that kind of concern in your head. And based in that, then were all ways you made sure it's felt correct. Yes, of course. Uh, for example, we, we have an enemy called a hunter in the game. Uh, they're very quick. They can teleport. They can make themselves invisible. They use energy weapons. I wanted the player to have the same abilities. And uh, there, there is a lot of things we thought about that we, we wanted to do um, for the character to, to progress and get stronger, maybe. Uh, we concepted so many ideas back in the days. Um, but uh, you have to sort of design the levels for that as well. Mm -hmm. 
So um, there's there's a lot of other blockers that can come up. That okay, you want that functionality, then we need to do this, and 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 that uh, forces us to do that, <laughs> and then it just goes on, you know. So then, at so at what point did you maybe so like looking at the guns really, which are your big things tied to it? Then when did you? When did you start feeling like, okay, like, did you have a cutoff point of your gun of like, this breaks the game too much? Or is your thing of like, as long as it's in a gun, we could do basically whatever we wanted? Yeah, um, something uh, we had in the beginning was the machine gun, for example, the automatic rifle, whatever you want to call it. It's, it was way too weak. And uh, then it was pointless to use. You just used the energy weapons or the pistol. Mm-hmm. So you you cons- you have to tweak those weapons to actually work. So you should be able to use each weapon mm-hmm. in every situation to some degree, effectively. But if you can't do that, then then the weapon is pretty much broken, and, and no one's going to use it. It's not going to be fun to use. So it's a lot of it is just finding the thing of making sure everything is strong enough. So did you were you okay with the idea then? that eventually you hit a point in the game where players would stop using old weapons, or did you want every weapon to be viable in some way? I want every weapon to always be viable in some way. And uh, in some games, I think uh, this is not the case. And that's sad, because uh, I love guns, but guns sometimes suck in games. Why would you use a gun when you can use a, a big-ass rifle? <laughs> right, and this is, this is exactly what I was getting at. Like, it's like the age-old question is, why would I ever use a pistol when I have a machine gun? Like, like, like it's that, that's always that f- comes back to the question of like, but I have a better gun that shoots bullets quicker and it does the same amount of damage. Why would I use the old thing? Yeah, and, and we also balance it so that uh, you don't constantly have to go look for ammunition. We, we're pretty generous with that. And, and the enemies are not complete bullet sponges either. So in your head, then, was your philosophy, then, as long as they're killing and shooting things, it's okay if... I don't want to say the game's easy, but it's okay if the challenging curve is... It's more you care about the fun more than the curve. Yeah. So it's maybe it's a good comparison is you, you want it to be more like Doom than Dark Souls and the idea of you're just going to shoot and kill things versus thinking about it while you're doing it. Or a little bit of a mix between. It depends. Um... For me, it's very hard to talk about uh, uh, how hard or easy anything is right now because I've been doing this for so long and uh, I've played this a billion times. So I-, I know exactly what the AI will do in any situation. I can dodge bullets. I can <laughs> um, but it's, it's definitely something you need to do. You need to find a sweet spot between what's fun and what's challenging and, and not try to make it too boring at the same time. And that can be really hard when, when you don't have uh, a lot of variation in terms of AI and are not, uh, you, you still don't have a lot of variations in terms of what you can do. You can run uh, normally like you always do. You, in some ventilations you can go, uh, you can take cover, but you can't lean behind corners, for example. So you don't have those cool cinematic animations and that can make... Uh, a shooter feel very uh, fulfilling. Right. So, so actually, that leaves me a question. So, you're a team of three three people out of very so you're limited in scope and size. How did you handle stuff like testing and make sure the game's fun? Did you have like a close group of friends? Did you just put it in forums and be like, "Go play this"? Well, well we have a Discord server, and 
we invited people we knew uh, that could test the game and give us honest feedback. I, I don't want anyone uh, of my friends. I always said this: that don't tell me this is good because you want to be nice. Tell me what your thoughts are. What can we do to improve? And uh, we'll see what we can do. Basically, so that's what we did. We invited people, and and then we just did some testing ourselves as well. So, do do you feel your friends are honest with you, or could you tell when they're lying to you and being like, "It's it's fine, it's fine." I think most of them were honest, um, and those I felt weren't. I told them, like, come on, <laughs> spit it out. It's not that bad. I'm not going to bite you. <laughs> Do you mean when they're like, there are zero bugs, and you're like, I watched you fall through the floor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, always, I always love that when you have a friend test it. They're like, there was no problem. I go, I know there is, because I didn't fix the problem the first thing. I'm positive there's a problem. <laughs> yeah, and then our, our lead developer... Uh, since he's programming everything, he has a certain way to look at it, uh, a certain vision of how it's going to actually work in the game. And sometimes I could play through and I'll be like, oh, shit, everything works fine now. And he's like, well, I found 10 things that weren't fine, but I couldn't tell what those are. Which is which is always the problem, too, of like when you go on the theory of like testing and like because there's always the idea of like a priority bug versus like a small glitch. And it's always like. Do you care it's a big bug because you're a developer, or is it that a player would care it's a big bug is always the question at hand. Yeah, and uh, we, we always wanted to make it run uh, very smooth for everyone, uh, as good as we could. Um, yeah, I think it's a key thing if, if you're an indie developer, you don't want to release a game that doesn't run. Which I will give you props based upon the spec requirements that's listed here. Being able to still to run on stuff like Windows 7 or an i5, like you guys actually pretty much succeeded in that in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> <laughs> which, which, that is the concern, especially like, cause I do a lot of VR development and I'm always like, well, we're going to be very limited on scope because I only can't go back more than like two years of computers. Where you guys at least have the idea of like, we could go back like five, six, seven years and hopefully get a computer that can run this. Yeah, because you have to also remember that most people who play on PC, and for now it's only on PC, um, the doors aren't locked yet, um, but the majority of people doesn't have high-end rigs, is what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of people sitting there with their old laptops, and they play games, and they, we, we want people to be able to play this, even on those laptops. Okay. Uh, so now the game, when we're recording, has been out for a couple of weeks. Uh, I'm curious how you feel the reception has been of the game, and is it kind of where you thought people would think of the game? Well, that's a bit of a mix. Um, we we made this game, but we're not good at selling. Mm -hmm. uh, and we, we have basically no clue we haven't done marketing in the past none of us have done this so there's a lot we still have to learn i think what we did uh, very wrong now is that we set it out to be too expensive we should have set it out to be five or ten dollars not 20 and this is something we'll have to change but we can't do it yet because it has to be on steam for a month first i was gonna say i, th so. I thought it wasn't so isn't that like it's some because a lot of countries have rules tied to it being that long so i thought it was too yeah so then, would youth, maybe in the future, even if it's not a... See, and that's always what I find interesting, because to me, I've always, I always like the idea of, we see a lot of games do the old, like, 
okay, our game is 10 bucks, and then two weeks after release, we raise it to 15 or whatever, two hours. Like that idea of like, you care about that initial push of players, and then you raise it a little bit, so as the word of mouth spreads. I, I guess it's the other way around for us then. <laughs> <laughs> but we're also looking into some other issues that people have been reporting. They, they want controller support, they want uh, the Steam UI and shit. We, we need it to have integration with Steam, complete controller support. We're working on it. And that's always, if you didn't plan for them in the beginning, that's always a pain in the butt to figure out later down the road. Yeah, and this is a game that's pretty hard, even on easy. So if we're going to add controllers, we're going to have to tweak the difficulties. We keep the hard difficulties as they are. We maybe do some tweaks, uh, but we'll have to make easy a lot easier because it's already hard with a mouse and keyboard for some people. Yeah, but that, that could just be people like me who are just bad at mouse and keyboard shooters, so it's really hard to tell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like that's always my thing is, if there's a controller, I'll be using the controller because I just, like, it's just because I grew up on consoles, and I think there's a lot of people like me in that way, so it's like our brains just aren't geared for that in the same way. Yeah, and I can relate to some point. I mean, I've, I've mostly been gaming my entire life on a PC with mouse and keyboard, but I also know how, how nice it is to lean back with a controller and play a game. I played all the Final Fantasy games with a controller, uh, the same with the Dragon Quest games, and uh, the first time I played Halo was with a controller as well. So, uh, yeah, I can relate. Nice. Well, Michael, I want to thank you for joining me for this fun discussion about it, Ego. Can you tell the people where we can find the game if they're looking for it? Yeah, you can find it on Steam. So all you need to search is uh, ID... Um, and then, oh shit, what's the symbol name? Hyphen? <laughs> yeah, exactly. E-G-O, like an ego. Nice. And it, there it is. Yeah, so it's id ego on Steam, or it's id a hyphen ego dot se is the website, if there's any other stuff yeah. about it. But we're not, we don't sell it on the website. It, it just directs you to Steam, or our Discord, or something like that. Nice. Well, great. Well, best of luck with your, your team and the game and its continual sales in the future, Michael. And again, thanks for joining me for this fun discussion on it. Thanks for having me. And to all of you who's listening to this, wait for the price drop. <laughs> <laughs> you heard him now. Uh, wait probably another two weeks, roughly, for a price drop and get the game then. Or if you want to support him, get it sooner while it's higher priced. <laughs> but yeah. Thank you. Thank you. This podcast was a product of the SWW Show. You can find more at the SWWshow.com or Facebook.com slash the SWW store or Twitter.com slash SWW. You can find out more about Mike at Mikey underscore Maroney on Twitter and more about AJ at Locevore on Twitter. Remember, new episodes come out twice a month one focusing on the new entertainment news, and one focusing on movie club, so new and an old movie. You can find out more again at the SWWshow.com, and you can find the show on podcast services around the globe.